Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. To your neighbor and say, it's medicine to all our flesh. Amen. The Word of God is, is uh, medicine. It'll fix and cure everything and anything you need. Amen. Well, glory to God. Go ahead and be seated. It's so good to see you tonight at Healing School. We're calling it Healing School. Just taking the Word of God and acting on it, preaching it, focusing on divine healing. We're going to receive the offering at the end tonight again. I just sense to do it that way again tonight. Um, I want to go ahead and pick up um, some things. I heard Ann did such a good job last week. She uh, shucked the corn, you know. You know, when you first see Ann, you think, well, she's quite a sweet little lady, but... When she, she gets her mouth open, I mean, the power comes out. <laughs> she is sweet. I mean, you know, but don't let the devil get in front of her. She'll beat him up. Tell him to run, get out of here. Thank you, Ann. You're a blessing. I want to get into some things tonight. We've been... Uh, We've been sharing some things about the anointing. We've been sharing some things about different methods and ways, God's, ways God heals. And um, we're going to pick up on that maybe some, some more later. But I want to get into some things, just start really getting down to, uh, real down to the core of the issue when it comes to divine healing, when it, like things like that it's the will of God for you to be healed and why it's the will of God for you to be healed. Not just because we say so. You know, not just because somebody stood up and said, well, God wants you healed. Well, you know, what authority are they speaking on? Do they have any, anything to back them up on that? So we're going to get into some of that. We're going to get into, I don't think tonight we'll get into all of this by any means, but we're going to get into, um, as we progress here in the next few weeks, we're going to get into uh, things like common objections people have. Well, I don't believe it's the will of God because of this. And they'll bring up something in the word, you know. And so we want to look at all those, or at least as many of them as we can get to. We can, we can spend the rest of the whole healing school on just what I'm talking about right now. But um, we want to look at some of those and then look at why, why uh, you know, some don't receive their healing. It's not a, a hard thing when you look at the Bible. In order to determine the will of God, in fact, go over to the book of Mark. We're going to start there tonight, chapter number one. Um, we're, we're pulling it back to some simpler things because it's so important, just hugely important that people are established in the will of God concerning the matter when it comes to divine healing. Uh, the reason is because, uh, and you know this, just, you could just, if you don't believe this, I think many of you will just because of your own experience and because of talking to other people. But if you don't believe it, just go start asking people two questions. Number one, can God heal? Oh yeah, God can do anything. Some druggie out in the street will say that. Anybody will say that. God can heal. So what do we know? We know then the devil doesn't fight people in that area. He really doesn't care if people believe God can heal or not. Because if he was, if he was uh, fighting that area, 100% of the people you talk to would not say God can heal. You know what I'm talking about. Next question you should ask them, if you want to know for sure if I'm telling the truth, ask them this. Ask them, okay, is, uh, will, will God heal you now? No, well, no, I don't know if God will do that, you know, and then they'll start going on the reason. They don't believe he will. They believe he can, but will he? 
You know, that's the, that's the big thing. And the reason that almost, unless somebody's been taught the word, almost 100% of the people say, I don't really believe God will heal just anybody. Right. Just, I don't believe it's his will to heal everybody or his will to heal is because the devil fights that area. What does that tell you? That tells you, here's what I'm going to uh, uh, just get into tonight. That tells you that you need to spend your time, if you're, if you're struggling to receive from God, you need to spend your time meditating on his will. Developing your faith on his will to heal more than his power, his ability. You know, if I was going to, and if you think about it, it's, it's very, very mean of the devil. <laughs> it's, it's effective to too many people. Shouldn't be effective as much as it is because of the clearness of the word of God on these issues. But it's effective people. They, uh, they uh, really fall into a huge, um, uh, I don't know, they, they fall into a, a very big trap because really if I were to, if I, were, if I were in need of something and I was wanting to, you to help me, let's say financially, for example, I was saying, man, I just need, I, can't, I need to pay my car payment or something. Yeah. And uh, man, could you help me? Yeah. If I were to say something like that to a friend or somebody, a relative or someone, um, you would, let, let's, say, let's say you're my dad. No, you're not, but let's say you're my dad. And I, I'm needing my car payment and I'm, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I could come to you and ask you for the car payment because I don't know. Th there would be one of two reasons I'd have trouble coming to you. Number one, I don't know if you have the money. Right. Or number two, I don't know if you, want, if you would do it for me. Right. You know. Right. Now think about it. One, if I were to say, I don't know if he's able to do it, that would have nothing to do with his character. Right. It would have something to do with his ability or his power or his resources, what he has to give. Right? And so, um, but the other one, if I'm, if I'm hesitant about whether or not he would do it for me, that, that uh, hesitancy is because I don't know his character good enough. Now, he, maybe I know he has it, but I don't know if he would give it to me. That, that uh, is an accusation, a slur, a slur on his character. That I am making on his character. You know, and we have all grown up in different settings. Some of us have reasons to not go to our parents, you know. For, and so, you know, the, a parent is not a perfect example of God because there's different things going on in parents' lives that make them the way they are and so forth. Maybe they're not even saved. But the point is, God has perfect character. And uh, to say that we don't believe he will is to accuse his character. We're, we're saying he's not good enough. He doesn't love enough. Right? Well, I know you can, but will you? See, that's accusing his character. And what Satan has successfully done is he has successfully tainted God's character in people's eyes whenever they say, I don't know if it's the will of God for, for all to be healed. We're shucking the corn. Now, we're not just, we're, we're getting to the, we're going to look at this in the word of God, but we need to realize tonight that really faith begins where the will of God is known not where God's ability is known. All these people out here that say, yes, God can, they're not receiving any healing. 
So that's not where faith for healing, faith to receive healing comes from. Faith comes by knowing that he will. It's his will and it's his will for everybody to be healed. Now, what Satan has done to some is he said, well, God's will is to heal some and not, not others. Okay, what has he done? Think about this now. What has he done? He has found a way, even if people start finding out it's his will, he has found a way to keep most everybody who finds out that it is God's will to heal some, to keep most all of them sick. Because here's the reason why. The very next lie is right after, yes, it is God's will to heal some. Ask any person that believes it's God's will to heal some. You know, certain lucky ones. Okay, are you one of the lucky ones? Well, I don't know, you know. And it, see, no confidence. Satan has robbed those people of even the ability to reach up and receive. You know what I'm talking about? So we've got, to, we've got to, number one, establish from the Word of God. Not because I said it. Not because the greatest preacher that ever lived said it. Or not because the greatest preacher who ever lived said it. It's not true. What did God actually say? Not because we've had experience along that line. Not because we've not had experience. Not because somebody that we love, that loved God all their life, they, they were good Christians and they didn't receive. Well, see, that proves it's not, that's not good enough. Are they the ultimate authority on these issues? Absolutely not. They're not the ultimate authority. The best healing minister that ever lived on the, on the planet. If he died of cancer, that does not mean that it's not God's will to heal all. Because his ministry does not authorize the word of God. The word of God authorizes his ministry. You understand what I'm talking about? We've got to just realize that we've believed a lot of lies. The lack of a Bible experience does not change the Bible. Well, I just don't see it. I don't see it working for everybody. Neither do I. But I don't see salvation working for everybody. That doesn't mean it's not for everybody. You can't say, well, it's not God will all to be saved because some aren't getting saved. You can't say that because it's not on God's side. Right? It's on man's side. Some are not saved because they've not done their part. They've not responded to what God did properly. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So we've got to recognize that we've got to look in God's word to see what he said his will is. You don't need to go to somebody else. You don't need to look at somebody else's experience, your own experience. It doesn't matter if you lived for 80 years on this planet and you've never heard of a soul being healed. That doesn't mean it's not God's will. You might not ever know a soul who's been on the moon, but there have been people on the moon. Isn't that right? You might say, well, I don't know anybody who's been up there, so it can't be so. Well, you, just because you don't know anybody doesn't mean it's not so. Well, I got to see it to believe it. Well, okay. Feel, I mean, how many of you believe you have a heart? Have you seen it? I can't believe anything unless I see it. Well, yes, you can. You just, you do it all the time. Do you believe you got brains? How many of you believe you got brains? Amen. We've got to find, we've got to look at the evidence. Faith is the evidence 
of things that are hoped for. So we've got to have evidence from God's word that it is his will. And really, if we'll find the right evidence, and I, I couldn't get through all this tonight. I think I got, I've lost count. I think I'm about down to number 14 or something like that. 14 reasons, I don't know, some, some big number of reasons why it is the will of God. Un, irrefutably, it is the will of God for all to be healed. All to be healed. You want to look at some of those tonight? So we're not here to look at somebody's experience or lack thereof. We're not here to look at that. Amen. We're here to look at God's word. Amen. Everybody say, I want the best God has for me. So I'm going to go to God himself. So let's get into this. Is it the will of God to heal? And is it the will of God to heal all? Let's look at some reasons. Amen. So first of all, before anyone can have a real steadfast faith to receive healing in their bodies, they must get rid of all uncertainty concerning this matter. If you still have questions about this matter, then really you, you have a, a halting, hesitant faith. And that can't really reach out and receive. And there are reasons that uh, we've had a lot of help, religious help. Uh, you know, preachers and ministers and people saying things, religious statements, you know. Well, if it's God's will to heal all, how would we all die? Well, the Bible answers that. <laughs> you don't have to die of a sickness or disease. The Bible talks about people who didn't die of a sickness or disease. The Bible talks about in James 5, James chapter number, uh, what is it? James 3. Uh, as the body without the spirit is dead. James 2, I believe it is. I'll get it right. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. What is physical death? Physical death is whenever the spirit leaves the body. The inward man, the real you, the part that's going to live forever and go to heaven. That's, that's what death is. It's that man leaving. And you don't have to have a sickness or disease to leave. Did you know that? The Bible talks about the death of Jacob, uh, and it says that's the death of the righteous. We'll get into all this sometime. We don't have time to get into it all night, but it says the death of Jacob was the death of the righteous. If you study the death of Jacob, um, and it calls it in the, in the book of Numbers, I think it's the 21st chapter, it calls it the blessing, part of the blessing. Dying like Jacob is part of the blessing. In other words, the blessing of Abraham. What is the, what is the uh, death of Jacob? The Bible said Jacob knew it was time for him to go. He called all his sons in. Remember, he had 12 boys. And he called them all in, prophesied to each one of them. Said, now here's what's going to happen to you. Here's what's going to happen to you. And the Bible says when he was done, he gathered up his feet into the bed and he gave up the ghost. What does, what does give up the ghost mean? Give up the spirit. In other words, the spirit, man. He just said, he just said adios, out of here, bye, gone. And he, the real man on the inside, left. <laughs> Praise God. So, you know, we have a lot of whatabouts and yeah, but, and, you know, a lot of things. But we've got to get rid of all uncertainty concerning these matters because uncertainty is not faith. Faith means you're certain of something. And you cannot really reach out and receive with this kind of uh, hesitancy. Amen. Amen. So faith really begins where the will of God is known. Look here in Mark chapter number one. Notice what it says. Here's a man that came to Jesus um, and he asked Jesus a question. Let's look at verse number 40. This leper came to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion on him, uh, moved with compassion, uh, put forth his hand and touched him 
and said unto him, well, I'm not sure. No, he said, I will. Everybody said, he said, I will. What is that? That's the will of God. Amen. What is the will of God? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So here's the will of God. Jesus said it to one man. If he ever said it to one man, he has to be true for everybody because he's no respecter of persons. Amen. Giving you reasons why it's the will of God. So um, he said, I will be thou clean. Notice what it says. And he said, as soon as he heard, uh, he had spoken immediately, the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. In other words, he got rid of that question. He got rid of that if. You have to get rid of the, all the ifs. Jesus had to get the man to a place where he believed that it was his will before he could receive. And so um, that's what you're going to have to get to as well. You're going to have to get to the place where you understand and know of a certainty that it is God's will to be healed. Now, listen to this in some other translations. This is Wade translation. The leper said, if you have the will, you have the power to cleanse me. Jesus said, I have the will, be cleansed. Amen, I like that. Jerusalem Bible says, sir, if you want to, you can cure me. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, of course I want to, be cured. I like that one. Jordan translation says, sir, if you really wanted to, you could heal me. Jesus said, I do want to be healed. Basic says, if you, if it is your pleasure, you have the power to make me clean. He put forth his hand and said, uh, his hand on him saying, it is my pleasure. Be clean. Listen to all these words. I want to see this is what the will of God is. When we're talking about the will of God, we're talking about his want to. We're talking about what his pleasure is. Go real quickly. Hold your finger here. We're coming back. But go over to the book of Ephesians. And you can understand something. When we say what is the will of God, notice what we're talking about. We have a definition of the will of God here in Ephesians. Let's look at um, the first chapter. Look at verse number five. Having predestined us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ... Uh, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. His will, in other words, is his good pleasure. Now listen closely. Let this sink into your spirit. When we say, well, this is the will of God for you, we're going to show you all these scriptures. We won't have time to get to them all tonight. But when we say God's will is that you be well, we're saying it is his delight. It is his pleasure. He wants it this way. He wants it to be this way. Amen. So uh, if you want to, if you will, if you want to, this I'm reading these, if it's your pleasure, um, the woo says, I am desiring it with all my heart. Be cleansed at once. That's the will of God. It's the desire he has with all his heart. Now, you remember over in the Old Testament, there's a verse, uh, you remember, uh, what is it, Psalm 27, verse, or 3527, I believe it is, it says, he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. You remember that? That word pleasure there is very, it's, it's in the Hebrew, of course, the New Testament's in Greek here that we're reading, but the word pleasure, translated pleasure over there in that verse, it's a Hebrew word, and then the Greek word for I will are, are almost identical. Yeah. 
although they're two different languages, they mean almost identically the same thing. And so when he said he has pleasure in it, he's talking about this is his will. And I look it up and it means it has all these connotations in it. When we say, well, this is the will of God, here's what it all means. The will of God is something that he is determined to do. It is his delight. It is his pleasure. He wants to, and it's, there's a determination to it. It's not a passive thing. It's not, it's not like, oh, whatever. That's not the way his will is. It's very determined. That's the will of God. God's will is not uh, wishy-washy, kind of like whatever, kind of like, you know, passive. That's the way the Lord said it to me. It's not passive. It's very uh, determined. And uh, if the will of God is, very, is something that he's very determined to be a certain way for us, then we have to be determined in our faith or our faith and his will are not in agreement. You know, if his will is determined and our faith is passive, his will is aggressive and our faith is passive and we're kind of going, whatever you want, Lord. Well, his will is determined. We need to be determined. Being being one accord. Otherwise, you know, we're not walking in agreement with him. We we're kind of just kind of leaving it up to him whenever he's got a determination. Somebody said, Well, if he's determined, why doesn't he just do it? Because there has to be a reception on our end. You know, I might be determined to help you out of a problem, but you just say, No, I don't want your help. Or the way I am trying to help you, you're trying to get it another way. You know? So we have to recognize when we talk about the will of God, we're talking about his determination and uh, his pleasure. It's not just a like, well, I'll do it for you, but it's not that way. It's a delight. He wants it to be this way. Amen. So this is that when we talk about the will of God, that's what we're talking about. All right. So number one, here's number one reason why it is the will of God. We're going to go through as many of these as we can tonight. And I want to let some of them just, I'm going to spend more time on some than others. Just let them soak into your spirit. You're here not just to hear, you're here not just, just if you're here just to, to lodge data in your brain, that's not what this is all about. We're talking about imparting something into your spirit. Truths that, that change your inward. Change the way you, you see God on the inside. Number one reason it is the will of God, and we know it's the will of God, is because healing in the Bible always brought, he, brought glory to God. Now, I'm going to give you some references, Luke 17, 15 through 18. Um, the Bible says when one of them, this is whenever the 10 lepers were healed, one of them saw he was healed. He turned back with a loud voice and he glorified God. Amen. Oh, he was happy. He gave praise to God. How many of you know, we just heard a testimony a moment ago and we all just gave glory to God. None of us said, none of us said glory to the devil. See, I've heard people say, well, that healing business, that's of the devil. Well, the devil hasn't healed a soul. Oh, I've heard of occult stuff where they were getting healed. Wait a minute, wait a minute, think about it. The devil, if he's put something on him, he can just simply retract it. But he can't heal. He can't heal. Now, so number one, it, gave glory, it always brought glory to God. And another reference, Luke 5. Immediately he rose up before them and took up that wrong he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. 
They were all amazed. This is the man on the, on the cot, you know. They were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear seeing we've seen strange things today. So they glorified God. Glory to God. So healing is uh, the will of God because it gave glory to God. Remember Acts 3, 8, the man at the gate called Beautiful was healed. Bible says he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. It brought glory to God. So healing is the will of God because it brings glory to God. And we know it's the will of God to bring glory to God. Amen. Number two, healing is called the work of God. Sickness is called the work of Satan. Now, along with that, go with me to this reference. Um, I'll give you that again, but turn with me to uh, the book of 1 John. Um, we said that healing is the, w the will of God because it's called the work of God and sickness is called the work of Satan. We'll look at some references that prove that in a moment. But look with me at the book of 1 John, the gospel of 1 John. And uh, let's look at chapter number 5. 1 John, chapter number 5. Um, excuse me, chapter number 3. And uh, verse number 8. 1 John 3, verse number 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Notice works, plural. Not just sin. Sin was one of the works. Satan, Satan brought sin into the earth. He, brought, he tempted Adam and Eve, you know. Got them to sin. Wasn't God tempting them. But so, Satan, um, the Bible says Satan has some works and Jesus was manifest to destroy the works, plural, of the devil. So with that in mind, why did Jesus come? Well, we know he came to redeem us, but really that's what he was doing. He was redeeming us from the works of the, the enemy. Somebody said, well, destroy, that means like they don't exist anymore. Why do we see these things then? Well, the word destroy in the Greek doesn't mean to annihilate where it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as sickness, no such thing as sin. Doesn't mean that at all. The word destroy in the Greek means to untie or unloose. So really he was manifest to untie you and unloose or, or to loose you from the works of the, of the devil. Now, go over to Acts 10, 38. Somebody said, I know all this. I, I know you do. But see, not everybody here does. And I'm not mainly preaching to you. I'm preaching to those that are learning these things. And, and besides that, it's good for you to go over it again anyway. Acts chapter number 10. We need all kinds of services. We need Holy Ghost services. But we need, we need to be taught. What does the Bible actually say? Not what does man say? See, some of you are going to hear some of this and you're going to go, well, uh, yeah, but, 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 but that's not the way they teach it. Where I, well, I'm not talking about where it doesn't matter. Yeah, but we have a right to believe what we believe and you have a right to believe what you believe. No, I don't have a right to believe what I want to believe. I don't, you don't have a right to believe what you want to believe. We all have a right to believe the Bible. What did the Bible actually say? Not what did Dr. So-and-so say the Bible said, but what did the Bible actually say? Acts 10, verse number 38, how God anointed, this is the message Jesus preached, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of who? The devil. The devil for God was with him. Hallelujah. So when Jesus was healing, those that were healed were oppressed of the devil. Jesus didn't heal one person oppressed of God. 
Well, I'm not sure. No, no, this verse said that everyone he healed was oppressed of the devil. Isn't that right? Listen to the definition. I got the definition of oppressed today. The Greek for the definition for oppressed means literally translated out, I dominate or exercise lordship over. So whenever it says oppressed of the devil, he healed all those that were oppressed of the devil. He's calling sickness, Satan's dominating and exercising lordship over somebody's body. It's not God. Jesus came to destroy those works of the devil. In other words, to untie you from Satan exercising dominion over your body. Well, how does he exercise dominion? Notice he came to heal all those that, were, that had Satan's dominion exercised in their body. So sickness is Satan exercising dominion over your body. And Jesus came to destroy or untie you from the dominion of Satan to put sickness in your body. That's the reason it's the will of God for you to be well. It's because Jesus came to deliver you from that kind of oppression. Hallelujah. Now go over with me to the book of Acts. Not, excuse me, not, not the book of Acts. Go to the book of Luke, the 13th chapter. We're keeping it real simple tonight. We got to just get down, way down to where people really struggle. Go to the 13th chapter of, of Luke. We're going to have to spend some more time on this one sometime. There's a whole lot more here than we're going to get a chance to go to tonight. Look with me in verse number 10. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, uh, he, behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. Notice that. A spirit of infirmity. Say a spirit of infirmity. The word spirit here, of course, obviously is an evil spirit. Uh, the word infirmity is one of the most common words, the Greek word, is one of the most common Greek words used in the New Testament for sickness. So when it says she had a spirit of infirmity, it means a spirit enforcing a sickness in her body. Now, with that in mind, think about this. There are satanic spirits then that enforce sickness and disease in people's bodies. That lord it over their bodies in the form called sickness and disease. Now that doesn't mean every person who's sick is actually has a demon spirit personally present doing that. But in this case, there was one of these. So Satan has demons literally called spirits of sickness. Y'all still there? So one of these spirits had gotten a hold of this lady. And the Bible tells us she was bowed over, literally bowed together is what the Greek said. She was, uh, spirit of infirmity, 18 years, was bowed over, bowed over, doubled over, literally. Uh, and could in no wise lift up herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So there's somebody else that gave glory to God. Instinctively, people might not even quite know what happened. But when something happens, they start saying, praise you, Jesus. I've seen them. People that didn't even pray, never have heard of praising God before. Praise you, Jesus. They knew. They knew it was God. They laid hands on, Jesus laid hands on her. She was made straight and glorified God.
And the ruler of the synagogue, that was the man who was in charge there of the Jewish synagogue, answered with indignation. He was angry because that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. And he said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work and them therefore come and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. Now, what he's saying was that Jesus was working. He was working. And so this is the Sabbath. We're not supposed to work. And so, uh, but uh, the Bible actually tells us that there's some good truths along that line in the book of Hebrews that says, uh, they that believe enter into the rest of Sabbath. In other words, the, finish, the work is already finished. <laughs> there's, we'll get to that. Verse 15, the Lord answered and said, then the Lord answered him and said, thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And since you would do that for an animal, ought not this woman? In other words, you'd lose an animal that was thirsty. Jesus used this illustration at other times. He said, if, you, if a, your sheep fall in the ditch, won't you get it out on the Sabbath day? You know? And so he said, because you would do that for an animal, wouldn't you get a hurting human out of a distressful situation, you know? Um, wouldn't you lose your ox or your ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Ought not this woman, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound? Lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Everybody say it was Satan that had bound her. Amen. It was Satan. Say it was Satan. It was Satan's work in other words. And she said she ought to be healed. Why? Well, we already read it. Jesus said, I'm come that to destroy the works of the devil. Or the Bible said about Jesus. That was one of his purposes for coming is was he was here to loose people from these kinds of things. And that's what he did. He went about doing good and loosing all these people. Praise God. How'd he do it? He did it by the anointing. Just like a man today might do it. So here's some reasons why he said this woman should be loosed. Number one, he said, because you would do it for a hurting animal. And really what he's saying is people are more valuable than, than animals. And Jesus used that argument in other places. He said, uh, for example, he said, uh, there was a man had a withered hand. This is in Mark chapter number three, had a withered hand. He said, stand forth. He said, uh, you know, if a sheep falls in a ditch, wouldn't you pull it out on the Sabbath day? And they didn't want to answer him. And Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. He was healed. And Jesus said, looked around on them being, he was, the Bible says he was grieved for the hardness of their heart. In other words, they were thinking that they had to keep these rules and regulations. Don't do it on this day, do it on that day. They were thinking about that more than about ministering to hurting humanity. Isn't that right? So what Jesus is saying was they're more valuable than an animal and you would, you know, get it. You know, I came to the church tonight and two car, there was a car in front of me and then in front of that was a semi. And a deer jumped in front of the semi and it got hit and it went over into the ditch just a couple, couple yards and it's over there wobbling and it couldn't get up. You know, I almost wanted to, my, my inwards almost went, oh, you know. Somebody said, you, you shoot them. I know, but that's for me. That's for, that's a quick kill. It doesn't hurt. Bam, they're done. But that deer is going to lay there for half a day suffering. I wanted to get out of the car, you know, and. You know, you have compassion on hurting animals, you know. Well, how much more human beings? You know, people, their relative gets sick and they'll put them in the hospital, spends all kinds of money. 
You know, yeah. is this the will of God for them to be? Well, we don't know. Well, here you are spending all this money and you don't think it's the will of God. Why are you spending all this money to get them out of the will of God? Well, we love them. Oh, so you're accusing God of not loving them as much as you do. No, no, he, he has yearnings over sick and hurting humanity. Amen. This woman had a spirit of infirmity or a spirit of sickness. Now in Mark 9, 25, you don't have to go there, but Jesus found a, a certain person that had a deaf and a dumb spirit. And the Bible says when they came together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto them, the deaf and dumb spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. So there are, sick, there are, there are demons that actually enforce some of these sicknesses and diseases. Now think about this. Jesus used the same language to deal with sickness as he did with demons. People that were oppressed with demons. The Bible says he would cast out the spirits with his word. And here it says he rebuked the unclean spirit or the foul spirit, this, uh, this deaf and dumb spirit. He rebuked it. Remember the Bible also said that he stood over Peter's mother-in-law in Luke 1, I Luke 1, Luke 1, I believe, or uh, Luke 4. Anyway, somewhere where it says Jesus was uh, ministering to Peter's mother-in-law and he rebuked the fever. He used the same harsh language when it came to fevers or diseases as he did with evil spirits. So that proves sickness is not the will of God. That it's of the enemy. Y'all there? You're going home. So notice he said you would uh, minister to this, this uh, if it was a hurting animal, you would minister to it on the Sabbath. And then he said in verse 16, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? In other words, she ought to be healed because she's a daughter of Abraham. Well, let me ask you a question. All these things that we're going, that Jesus gave reasons why she ought to be healed. In other words, it's the will of God because. Ask yourself the question, is it true about you today? Number one, are you still, are human beings still more valuable than animals? Oh yeah. Tell the animal rights people that. Because they've gotten squirrely and they're thinking about that. Save the whales and kill the babies, you know. No, humans are more valuable. And human development is more valuable than saving a little bug out in the corner of the, you know. Humans are more valuable. Jesus said humans are more valuable. That's still true today. So you ought to be healed because humans are still more valuable than animals. And we do all kinds. Of, we spend more in America to, to take care of animals than some, people, some whole budgets of the food budget for the whole nation in some places. Number one, that's, you know, humans are still more valuable than animals. Number two, he said you ought to be healed for four reasons here. Four reasons. Number one, we're more valuable than animals. Number two, he said you ought to be healed because this woman should have been healed because she's a daughter of Abraham. Somebody said that means she was a Jew, yeah? But the Bible says that we're of the seed of Abraham through Christ. The Bible says, go over to Galatians. Galatians chapter number three. Amen. Amen. This is just a teaching time tonight. We're taking the word. What does the word actually say? Galatians says in verse number, uh, this is chapter three, verse 29. If you be Christ's, in other words, you belong to Christ, then are you the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. And if you look at the context, he's talking about even us Gentiles. We are the seed of Christ. Or the, excuse me, the seed of Abraham through Christ. 
So she ought to be healed, but Jesus said, because she's the daughter of Abraham. Well, hey, I qualify. I'm a son of Abraham. I'm of the seed of Abraham through faith in Christ. So I ought to be healed because I have a covenant. That's the reason, that's the reason he's saying she's a daughter of Abraham because Abraham had a covenant and that covenant included divine healing. Amen. So he said she ought to be healed for number one. She's more valuable than an animal and that's still true today about us. Number two, she's the daughter of Abraham and everyone born again belongs in that category. She ought to be healed because of that. Number three, because she's, here's the third reason she ought to be healed because Satan's the one that bound her. Jesus thought if people were bound by Satan, they ought to be loose from that. Not, not, uh, you know, it's not a blessing in disguise. It's not something that, that you're learning something. Tell me what you've learned. Come on, tell me what you learned. Tell me what you learned. Tell me what you learned. Well, it brings the best out of people. I've worked with the sick. I've worked with the sick since uh, 1990. I've worked with the sick. Intensely for, what was it? How many? Six years there at healing school. Let me tell you this. I I can tell you from experience that uh, sickness does not bring the best out of people. It brings the worst. They become cranky. They become, I'm not accusing them. I'm just saying pain can do some funny things to you. It it makes people cranky. It makes them very self-centered. Very. I need my medication. I need to take care of me. And they, and they do need, I'm not, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be that way. You know, I'm just saying it doesn't bring the best out. That's not the best of human nature. You understand? So, um, you know, we get all these funny ideas and of course the devil helps. So number three was because Satan hath bound. That's what Jesus had come to do. He came to loose people from the uh, works of the enemy. Lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. That's really the fourth reason she should be healed, Jesus said, because remember the, sin, the, the, uh, the, the ruler of the synagogue said she ought not be healed because it's the Sabbath. Right. Jesus said there's four reasons she ought to be healed, and one of them is because it is the Sabbath. Yeah. Now that means nothing to a person who doesn't know the New Testament, but the New Testament says that the seventh day of rest, you know, which we think is Sunday, but really it was Saturday. Right. That seventh day was a type. Colossians says it's a type of something in the new covenant. And Hebrews tells us it's entering into the rest of the work that's already finished in Christ. That's what the Sabbath is for us. In other words, the Sabbath for us is not a day, it's a way of life. Where we don't have to work to earn. Jesus did all the work, we get all the pay. We enter into resting in the finished work. The Bible says, as God rested on the seventh day from all his works, so we're to enter, he that believeth enters into his rest. When we believe that Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, we'll stop trying to get it, working toward getting it, and we'll start resting in the fact, I have it. And Jesus said, that's the reason she ought to be healed, because I'm ushering in the Sabbath where people don't have to work. Hallelujah. I'm preaching good tonight. So why is it that uh, it is the will of God to be healed? Because healing is called the work of God. Sickness is called the work of Satan. And Christ was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. 
Remember we read last, uh, two weeks ago where in John 9 there was a man born blind healed and they asked, well, is this man born blind because of sin? And Jesus said, no, but that the works of God might be made manifest him, I'm going to work the works of God. And he went and healed him. That's the work of God. Now, if the work of God is sometimes healing and sometimes sickness, as people say sometimes, then God has a kingdom divided against himself. And we cannot accept that because Jesus said himself, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Because they accused him of doing things by the power of the devil, you know. So number uh, two was healing is called the work of God. Sickness is called the work of Satan. And Satan, I mean, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Oppression means to exercise lordship over. And Jesus came to heal all that were oppressed of the enemy. Now go over to Hebrews chapter number two. And let's just look at another verse here. We want to sh- make sure that we're seeing this clearly. We could take, you understand, we could take one whole service on each one of these. We just don't want to take all that time, but I want you to see it clearly from the word of God. Amen. Hebrews two, verse number 14 and verse number 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's you and I, he also, or Jesus himself, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and him that had the power of death. That means to loose us from him that had the power of death. Amen. Well, can you say amen to that? Number three, I guess we could say number four, five, six, or seven, whatever, because we gave you four reasons in one. (laughs) But uh, let's call this number three. Number three is because throughout the Bible, healing and forgiveness of sins go together. Let me give you some references on that. Psalm 103, verse number three. Who forgiveth, this is talking about God. God forgiveth all thine iniquities and he heals all thy diseases. 1 Peter 2, 24. Who in his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. They always go together. Remember in Luke 5, I'll just give you this reference. They said, because Jesus said to a man, remember the man let through the roof, he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. And they said, well, who can forgive sins but God alone? He said, Jesus said, okay, the, to prove to you that I have the power to forgive sins. He said to the man, rise up and walk. The man got up and walked and Jesus said, that's proof that uh, I, I have forgiven his sins because do you realize that sickness got into the world through sin? And if sin is forgiven, then sickness needs to leave. Because if that's how it gets in, then forgiveness of that is how it goes out. And that's whenever you were redeemed is whenever you, your sins were remitted and gone, they're now gone. So now healing belongs to you because that's how sickness got in. There was no sickness in the garden of Adam and Eve's where Adam and Eve were at in the garden. In fact, we know from the Bible that God never planned that they die physically. Great, 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 great to the 10th power, great. Grandpa Adam is supposed to still be around today. Amen. So that was God's original plan. But anyway, that's, that's what Jesus said there. Now, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face I'll, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Yes, 
There's forgiveness and healing. And you could go over and over so many different verses. It's called the double cure. Jesus not only redeemed us from sin, from sin, he redeemed us at the same time from sickness and disease. I'd love to spend some more time on that one, but let's keep on going. Number, whatever number, your number, and I'm, I'm kind of going through them. Uh, the next one is, the reason it's the will of God for, to heal all today is because healing, uh, healer is one of his redemptive names. Jehovah Rapha. You ever read that in the Bible? Go turn over there to Exodus chapter number 15. And uh, let's look at what it says here. Exodus chapter number 15. Now this is the Old Testament. But uh, let's just look at something and we'll, we'll prove that it belongs to us in the New Testament. Exodus chapter number 15. Let's look at... Um, Exodus chapter 15, verse number 26. And he said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the Lord, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the, these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, the Hebrew words there, Lord, means Jehovah. That's the way it's literally translated. And that healeth thee means, is translated from a word called Rapha. We get the term Jehovah Rapha out of that. That's literally one of his names. If you're not a healer, then don't call yourself by Jehovah Rapha. You know. That's God's own call. That's what he called himself. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. Adam didn't call him that. Abraham didn't call him that. Somebody didn't say, let's start calling him Jehovah Rapha. God said, that's who I am. Now, we get confused here by looking at something, and I'll try to, without, uh, I could go into this a lot more detail too, and we could prove a lot of things, but um, notice here he said, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians. It looks like God's putting disease on the Egyptians, doesn't it? However, he ended the verse by saying, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. If he's the Lord that healeth, no, he's got to make up his mind. Is he the one that puts disease on people or is he Jehovah Rapha? Is he the one that heals people? The reason it's confusing is because the Hebrew language has no, and you could study Greek and Hebrew scholars and they'll tell you this. Um, the Hebrew language has no permissive words. In other words, in the Hebrew language, everything is causative. It sounds causative, but it's not actually causative. Some of it's permissive. In other words, remember, I could give you some more references. We could take a lot of time with this, but I'll just give you something to think about and you'll realize, okay, I see what he's saying. Remember the Bible says that whenever Saul rebelled, King Saul in the Old Testament, he rebelled against God. The Bible says that um, an unclean spirit from the Lord was, was given to him. From the Lord, an unclean spirit. That means a demon spirit from God. Well, God doesn't, God doesn't, uh, op, he doesn't uh, send unclean spirits to people. But it makes it sound like it was from the Lord. Literally, because the Hebrew is always, it sounds causative, it looks like God's always the one doing it. But actually, in some cases, he allows certain things. It's not God causing it, it's him allowing it. I mean, I can't accept that, that God sends evil spirits to you or I or torments us with evil spirits. That's, that's the totally different kingdom. He's not, he's not running it, that kingdom, you know. Hello? 
So he said, I will permit none of that. I like to translate it that way because really that's more accurate from the context even. I will permit none of the diseases upon thee which I have permitted to be brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Amen. Now, why is it God's will to be healed? Why do we know that from this verse? It's because Jehovah Rapha is his name. And the Bible also said, I am the Lord, I change not. Amen. So he is Jehovah Rapha and he is, not, he is an unchangeable God. Amen. In the Old Testament times, he was a healer for mankind. Amen. And he's the same today. You remember all the names God has in the Old Testament? Jehovah Shammah, the Lord ever present. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, uh, excuse me, Reah, the Lord our shepherd. Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth us. All theologians will admit that God is still all the rest of those. He's still our peace. He's still ever present. He's still our provider. He's still the Lord, our banner. He's the Lord, our peace. He's the Lord, our shepherd. He's the Lord, our righteousness. But oh, he's changed when it comes to Jehovah Rapha. No, he hasn't changed. He's the same today as he always has been. Amen. So his redemptive name is Jehovah Rapha and he's the same. That's proof that it's God's will for you to be healed today. Healing is for us today because, this is the next one, healing is for us today because faith is still for us today. Amen. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, go look at Jesus' ministry and many, many times, I could read to you here a whole page. This whole page is full of uh, references. Actually, two, two whole pages. Three whole pages. One, two, three whole pages. I could read context where Jesus said to people when he ministered to them, thy faith has made thee whole. The woman with the issue of blood, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. When Jesus went into Capernaum, a centurion was healed. He said, go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto you. Matthew 9, there cried him, uh, uh, two blind men following, son of David, have mercy on us. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. We could go on and on. I think many of you know many of these references. Uh, Thy faith has made thee whole to the ten lepers. Mark 10, whenever Jesus met the, uh, uh, out of Jericho, blind Bartimaeus. Remember that? Jesus ended that by saying, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. Well, you never heard anybody say the faith's not for today. That's proof that healing is still for today because their faith made them whole. Isn't faith still for today? Sure it is. If their faith made them whole, your faith will make you whole. Uh-huh. You haven't thought about that before, have you? But it's time to start thinking a little bit. Rather than just you get, be mushy-minded and somebody says something, say, oh, okay. No, think, think, think. What does the Bible actually say? Jesus said, thy faith has made thee whole. Do you know what? Faith, no, no, nobody ever says faith has been done away with, so it's the will of God for us to be healed today because faith is still the will of God for us. Amen. Number whatever number. Number six. It's the will of God to heal today because Jesus hasn't changed. Some respects I've already shared that, but Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Remember what he did back then? He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So he's still the same. Malachi 3, 6. I, Malachi 3, 6. I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. 
So God said, I change not. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. Amen. Can you say amen to that? If he used to heal and he doesn't heal today, he's changed. But the Bible says he's he's not changing, he's the same. For information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life. 